Hey, this is Landy Jack, the Global Director of Worldwide Business Intelligence. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Dionitsov. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people. But everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get those leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. It's time now to adapt in our fast-moving world, and today I have a guest, a very special lady, who is going to be with me today, and it's Lundy Jack. And Lundy, I'm going to introduce her right now. And so Lundy is the Global Director of Worldwide Business Intelligence, a company that is dedicated to the commercial, creational, conscious, and cultural education of entrepreneurs across the world. She's qualified with a master's degree that combines economics and industrial psychology, Lundy's message to entrepreneurs places equal importance on business and mind. Lundy, welcome to the show today. Dennis, it's an absolute privilege to be joining you on your podcast today, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, me too. Hey, so I've just introduced you to our listeners. Could you just give us a little bit more about your background? Interesting, Dennis. My background actually started in academics. You know, uh, I come from a family that takes uh, education still quite serious. So, went to university and did all that, but started quite out as a generalist, studied economy, and then later specialized in industrial psychology, which is a subject that I came to really fall in love with because it's not really the clinical psychology of working one-to-one with a person, but it's more the psychology in a group dynamic and what happens when you put a bunch of people in a room so relevant for corporate today and teams, especially with the type of challenges leaders are facing now with remote teamwork, you know, where you want to keep people engaged and, and, and really impact them, but not with them necessarily with you all the time. So I started in, in academics, then moved over to, to corporates. I really, really got an incredible interest at a young age on what's happening in the boardrooms of the world. We normally joke about it, but I got approached by the Secret Services in Varsity um, and the whole process of them talking to me about industrial espionage and all that really got me interested in what happens at, at the top, what happens in the boardrooms, what happens from a psychological point of view, what happens from a strategic point of view. So I went into corporate, very much into risk and compliance 
and even labor legislation at some stage and all that. And then at some stage got out into the entrepreneurial world where I started to now consult back to these very corporates that I worked for. So during that time, I was involved in a few corporate drug busts and interesting things as well. So it's a whole spectrum of corporate, but I would call it corporate psychology. That, that's a quick summary of my background. Wow. So Secret Service, wow, that would have been really exciting stuff to, to be around. And yeah, imagine what it was like uh, for you to be in the boardroom with, with leaders as well. And, and did you actually get to, to work with boardrooms and, and, and leaders in those boardrooms a lot? Well, it was my daily job. Um, from a very young age, I was sort of uh, like the right-hand the right hand person to the CEO. So even though I was working in corporates and had a job, it always felt to me that I was an intra-consultant, a person who's consulting in the role of an employee. So when I make the leap, made the leap from employee to consultant and then later entrepreneurship, I always found myself in that that second to the CEO role where I was acting as the consultant to the CEO. So that naturally led me to the position where I was always part of listening, engaging with and advising C-suite leaders, which is a space in which I'm very, very comfortable in. And even today as an entrepreneur, you know, me and my partner, Mike, really, really work with high level premium leaders like yourself, Dennis, because we're just so comfortable in that space. And because these are the people who really, really make a difference, really impact large amounts of people. Yeah, great. Thank you. Hey, uh, Lundy, here's a, here's a great question in the sense of who is your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or they could be from history. Who is your favorite leader and why? You know what? Uh, I would say my parents, Dennis. My my parents, both my mom and dad, has just taught me so many valuable things. And you know what? You don't know that when you're a child. And the irony of this answer to your question is that, you know, my dad was very corporate. Um, he's not with us anymore. So obviously, I've got a lot of corporate teachings from him. Um, but my mom was not corporate at all. And so from her, I got a lot of teachings in love. And so that has really brought together me the eagle eye of looking at things strategically in a corporate context, but also the love that's associated with leadership and the the fact that ultimately we are here to serve as a leader. We're here to serve people. We're here to inspire people. And not everyone is our people. You know, we all have our audience. We all have people that resonate with us and we, we have people who don't. But I think as a leader, there's a sense of responsibility and accountability and my dad has given me the analytical mind and my mom's given me more the creative mind. And I think it's the bringing the two of those together that makes for, for a powerful leader today. Yeah, great. And, and when you talked about with your parents and, and the servant leadership side of things, can you tell us a little bit more or give us an example of where you've actually done that servant leadership side of things and why that's important for people? To serve as a leader? Yeah. I think, Dennis, you know what? A lot of people, and I think during this time now especially, a lot of people have not had a stable upbringing. From there on, a lot of people has gone to schools that's not necessarily taught them right. Me and Mike is putting a lot of heart and soul and work at the moment into working with some of the educational institutions and schools around the world in order to get people to see their education from a whole new perspective to start seeing the holes in their education 
to see where, even though they had well-meaning parents and even though they had well-meaning teachers and academics and business schools and whoever trained them, that there's holes in our education as leaders and there's holes in our education as entrepreneurs. So for me, serving people as a leader means helping them filling those gaps, helping them see, look, I have the following aspects about myself. These following eight things that I do is absolutely incredible. But because of these two things, these two pieces in my education that didn't went right, I can be so much more. There's so much more potential for me. Um, you know, a simple thing is confidence. And here I'll bring the example in of my parents. You know, my, my mom and dad has been from a very young age, very adamant about the incredible importance of a healthy confidence. Because if you don't have a healthy confidence, you view the world in a way where you feel either unresourceful or you're distrusting or you're constantly comparing yourself or you think everyone has their knife in for you. And so you're so busy giving out energy, competing with this world or trying to, to validate yourself that you completely forget that you're working here with people that needs your inspiration, that needs your hope, that needs your intelligence, whatever it is that, that you're bringing to the world. So my parents, in that regard, as an example, as my leaders, has never allowed me to slide. And, and with slide, I mean, is to never view me as something that's lesser than. Okay. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think the, the thing here that you talked about as well is that stable leadership and that confidence. And I think nowadays, where we are with things right now, where we're needing that a lot more. And I think this is going to be a great segue into the next question, which is when I use the name, the, the title of the show, Leadership is Changing, what does that mean for you? Well, it's funny you should ask it because, you know, last night I was sort of getting my thoughts together about your podcast and everything you're doing and the change that you're affecting. And the thing that kept on popping in my mind was the name of your podcast and Leadership is Changing. And I thought, wow, Dennis, uh, you know, you saw this a few months, maybe even a few years ago, is that you understood that leadership was changing. You saw the patterns. You saw that things were, were going in a direction that's going to change things. And you've literally hit the nail on the head. And last night when I was thinking about leadership that is changing, I thought, well, I think it's been changing for quite some while. I think it will keep on changing. And for me, the answer is in that. I don't think leadership is something that can be defined anymore. I don't think leadership is something that will be static anymore. I think leadership is becoming a non-textbook type of field of study, which is becoming incredibly customized and very, very personal. And the reason why it's so personal and so customized is because we are changing. I am changing. You are changing. And the more you change as a leader, the more the people who look up to you will change with you, your crowd will change with you. And the more I change and evolve as an individual and the more I learn things in my life journey or if the more I learn things in my field of study, whatever, the more I'm relaying that to my ecosystem. So leadership is changing for me. It's becoming like a beehive. And the beehive has in there the, the workers and it has in there the, the different levels of authority and it has in there an entire ecosystem. And just like bees come from the flowers to pollinate it and then leave the hive and then come to the hive and pollinate it and leave the hive, 
That's the same way in which I see the leadership ecosystem. So no longer you can do it alone. No longer you can sit there on your throne as the king and queen and think you're going to do it without the help of the other bees who's going out into the world and then bringing the intelligence back and then taking intelligence from the hive and then taking it back into the world. So it's a whole process of pollination. And that makes me very excited about leadership because that means the word collaboration is finally starting to make sense to people. Wow. Hey, listeners, we've got Lundy Jack here with us. We're talking about leadership is changing and leadership is non-textbook anymore and it needs to be more customized and more personable for you. The other thing she talked about is leadership is like a beehive, you know, people going out and the bees going out and doing what they need to do, come back in, the intelligence and so forth. Amazing stuff. That's awesome. Hey, um, so how has your business or industry changed and what demand has that put on you and your leadership team? Well, in our environment, Dennis, we really, really rely a lot or had relied a lot on eventing. So me and Mike really have set up a business model for ourselves that allow us to combine lifestyle with business. And that has made us uh, do a lot of events worldwide. Uh, one of our brands is Six Continent Events, and we jokingly called it that because we've been doing these events on six continents. The, the one that's missing is Antarctica, and I always say to people, I'm really working on that one because I have such a calling and love for the snow. But in our eventing module, we, we used to do a lot of masterminds for leaders. We would have 10 people around a boardroom table and solve their, their leadership and their professional and business and entrepreneurship problems for them. We've ran events like Platinum Masterminds that made us work with leaders in, in castles and all sorts of interesting spaces. We had travel company. So with the changes that's been happening over the past few months, offline eventing for us has literally gone dead overnight. And uh, what we've done, we've taken a lot of that online and we've taken a lot, lot of that um, digitally but we we don't see that disappearing forever we certainly would like to have a different version of eventing back and you know even though a lot of us has ran from the offline universe and we are travelers so we've literally went overnight from traveling and eventing all over the world to sitting in one spot and going online you know, for us as leaders, we definitely see lesser events, people steering away more from the face-to-face the -face offline community. But I have to tell you, for me and Mike, it's made us more determined than ever to have these face-to-face -face communions and to have this social events. And of course, the business model is going to change. I think we are foreseeing a little bit more challenge in terms of travel going forward because they are talking about immunity certificates and things that travelers didn't need before. So we do see a few obstacles and we do see a few hurdles, but we are more determined than ever to make the ripples on this planet. We're more determined than ever to do it in person and face-to-face -face and to overcome the hurdles as leaders. doesn't matter what it takes. Yeah, and I know that you and Mike do, do do a lot of travel and that's really important too as part of your values and the way that you like to be around people yeah. from different communities around the world, which is really important. Yeah. And you've, you've been able to adapt real quick going from the offline events, in other words, face-to-face -face events in person to now doing things online as well, which is good. But you're right. I mean, things will 
change and they will bounce back, but then there will be things that we need to look at things differently, just like we had with 9-11, right? I mean, the travel changed, but then we sort of adapted with it and said, okay, well, this is part of the way that we travel now. And so we will look at that going forward. But I love your determination that you're sharing there about getting out there now and wanting to work with people again. So that's really, really exciting. Yeah, I don't think it will ever look the way it looked before. And I think because of the way me and Mike travels, you know, people think that we don't have system and routine and and all that type of thing. But I think even to leaders who hop from country to country and event to event and live this lifestyle, even that falls into a type of routine. It's just a different type of routine. And I think we all had to get a big shake up. Every single one of us, a leader, had to get a big shake up and change the way they were doing things. So I don't see me and Mike going back to the way things were before. I certainly see a more exciting and different version of it. And I think that may apply to many of the leaders who's listening to this today as well. Yeah. I just want to deep dive a little bit about when you said it's given us a big shake up that we probably needed. What, what, What do we mean by the shake up? I think, you know, a comfort zone is something that can be created anywhere. You know, a comfort zone can be created by an entrepreneur who's in a startup. Uh, A comfort zone can be created by a magnificent CEO who's had many success in his or her life. A comfort zone can be created by a lifestyle traveler. You see, uh, we are built to resist change as a human species. So there's no difference really between the person who gets into their car every morning and sit for two hours in traffic and go and attend to their job and fall in a comfort zone or me getting onto an airplane every two weeks and flying around the world and affecting change on this planet in masterminds. So you get used to your A, B and C that you've created for yourself. You know, a comfort zone for one person may be following a three-step process in their hometown every day A comfort zone for me might be having a yearly calendar planned ahead. And all of this create the illusion of control. And I think what COVID has done for us as leaders, it's literally ripped that illusion from underneath our feet in order for us to be more creative, in order for us to, like the eagle, rise rise above uh, the forest and look down and really look at things differently. So, my philosophy um, over this time is that I think this COVID is going to make people or break people. I don't think there's going to be an in-between. So it's going to make or break people. I'm not sure whether there's anything in between, but I love what you see there about the eagle rising above the forest, to be able to look down and see where it is. And COVID, I think as well, I mean, Lundy in my introduction of the show talked about, you know, the leaders are going from email to email, meeting to meeting. They're just overwhelmed. Do you think that COVID has actually helped them slow down a bit? What's your thoughts on that? I think there's two schools of people at the moment. I think there's school internal and then there's school external. In traditional psychology, just to humor our listeners, they talk about internal locus of, of control, external locus of control. So I think COVID has really made that rise to the surface. So you have a leader at the moment that's really reflecting internally looking at their shadows, looking at the things they want to improve about themselves. It's the type of leader who's very serious about walking their talk, leading by example, creating the best version of themselves in order to bring the best level of love, quality and intelligence to their clients. 
And then there's a leader who's, who's fallen into the external locus of control trap, who's really focusing externally. They're looking at the news. They're checking what's going on around them. They're falling prey to everyone's opinions. And they've literally gone and created a monster of a world for themselves at the moment. It's literally their day consists of COVID, the American riots, blah, 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 blah. Whereas the other leader who's more internally focused is really using this time to better themselves. So the answer is yes and no. I, th- I think some people is really, really slowed down and is really reflecting on themselves. But other people has just sped the, the, themselves up uh, to a point where I think they're literally now only operating in fear. Yeah, I, I remember um, not so long ago working with a leader and he was obsessed with what was going on in the TV and so forth and watching it all day, doom and gloom, he didn't know what to do. And I said to him, well, I do, just turn it off, um, stop watching it. And I said to him, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, you need to understand and see the news, understand what's going on. But, you know, that you can do that within the first five minutes. They're just going to repeat, repeat, repeat. Then get on with what you need to go and do. And that's the action piece. And it's, you know, like you said, it could be time out to reflect, to think about things, reconstruct different models, do, depending on what you want to do, right? Um, it'll, you know, some people have, I know have gone out and done some courses online, gone and reskilled themselves in different areas, or there were gaps that they had, and they went and skilled themselves to help themselves for when things are post-COVID and depending on what that looks like going forward. Absolutely. You know, if, if you think about it, the planet is only inhabited by us as a human species in a very small percentage. So all this news and things that you see happening is only representative of a very small percentage of this planet. What's happening on the rest of the planet? What fantastic things is happening right now on the rest of the planet? So that's a different perspective. Yeah. Hey, listeners, I'm here with Lundy Jack. We're just talking about leadership is changing and, and working through uh, the discussion. And Lundy's just shared about the eagle rising above the forest and having that view, which is really amazing to, you know, to even if you just imagine that and picture that and see the that eagle there rising, just sitting above the, the forest and having that different type of view. Hey, Lundy, if there was one thing you could change in business as a leader today, what would that be? Well, <laughs> I'll take people's email away from them, Demness. <laughs> I'm glad I was waiting for you to get to this. You know what, I have to say that it sounds really silly and, and I think I want to just share some of the deeper intelligence and wisdom and, and why I feel so passionate about not having email. Now, I understand many of you are listening to this and think, you know, it's actually crazy for me to say this because business is business, right? People have to continue doing what they're doing. They need email to communicate and all that. But I think if there's anything that COVID has highlighted to a lot of people is that we do not need a lot. We need much less. And I think my message to the world with trying to get as many people off email or trying to get as many people to not put as much emphasis on email is actually because of a deeper reason. And that reason is called distraction. And I think there's a lot of potential I think there's a lot of peace of mind. I think there's a lot of incredible impact and influence we can affect on people if we're not so distracted by mundane things like sitting half a day on your email Mm. or sitting on your phone, you know, worrying or speculating about what's happening in the world or sitting, you know, do all these things that distract people. For some people, it's Facebook. For some people, it's social media. For some people, it's literally sitting worrying for hours about a future that's never going to happen. So email for me is very symbolic 
of the distractions that we allow uh, as leaders to penetrate in our life. And what these distractions does is diluting us. So rather than taking your essence, which is a drop of this incredible purpose that you have as a leader on this planet, that essence, um, those of you who, who, who enjoys essential oils or those of you who enjoy smelling flowers or those of you that enjoy smell will understand the moment you start diluting that smell, it loses its potency. And that's what distractions does to us. And that's why I'm so passionate about email. That's what I got why I got rid of it because it affected my potency as a leader. And with email gone, I have so much more potent impact because I feel my essence much more powerfully than what I find is the case with many people who sit and hammering away on email. So just to clarify, you don't have an email address. You don't have email at all. I have an email address so that I can register for things online. Right. And I have an email address because sometimes service providers want an email address and they do not give you a service if you don't provide them with that. But I don't use email for communication at all. Wow. So therefore, I do not get up in the morning running to an email or an ecosystem, if you may, in which I have to correspond or communicate back and forth with people. For communication purposes, I use WhatsApp. Sometimes I use Messenger. And then if documents needs to be exchanged, we normally have a Dropbox. And that's another reason why you have to have an email address for things like that to register with software or software as a service. But I don't use email for communication at all. So that's a neurological pattern that's been established in people's lives that make them wake up and go and check their email or worry about email has been completely eliminated in my life. And so how many businesses are you running? Well, at the moment, we're looking at four businesses. So we have our Circle of Excellence, which is our global community that sits worldwide. Um, our prestigious premium clients, handpicked, of which you are one, Dennis. And then we have our Six Continent events, which is literally going online at the moment. We have our Ring of Steel Investments company, which is our property company, which is uh, sitting mostly at this stage in New Zealand, but we're looking at actually expanding to France as well. We have a worldwide business intelligence business, which is currently getting evaluated and endorsed by uh, the Kokar standard, which is the Finnish educational system. And then the fifth one, which is actually rising as we speak, is our global expert institute, which is an endorsement institute for experts like yourself or anyone who's really in a professional position and is what we call a subject matter expert. So that totals it to five. Wow. So, uh, listeners, a total of five organizations that Landy's working with and doesn't have an email or has an email address only for registrations and things like that, but doesn't use email. So you can run businesses successfully without email. And so Landy uses other services or tools to be able to communicate with people rather than just an email and sending out to, to people. The other thing that Alani has just shared with us is, the, and I, I really I really like this one, where why you said you don't get up in the morning and run to, to your email box, and where a lot of people do that. They run there, they want to see what emails have come through, then they start stressing about the number of them and the urgency and things like that. So you don't have that, which is which is just a great place to be in. Yeah. Mm. Yep, I don't want that. Yeah, fair enough. So um, if we talk about employees nowadays, and, and well, how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? 
Well, I think it's really becoming a case of co-creation. And I mean, this, this has been very topical when it comes to, you know, the industry of entrepreneurships, uh, entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs has really caught up with the whole principle of, you know, we're not only going to establish products and services, we're going to bring our products and services to market, have a conversation with our clients and co-create something amazing together. And I think, you know, even though the trend has already started in corporate with the same type of thing happening between C-suite leaders and their employees, where they've been saying, you know what, why don't we break down the hierarchy and co-create a corporation together? I do feel that COVID has, has spread that up. I mean, you see many employees sitting at home now, working remotely. You know, big data is only starting to come in now, and it's showing that uh, many of these employees are much more productive. Some of the corporates are looking at their, their budgets and going, wow, we're actually cutting costs, but productivity is going up. Of course, it's it's not come without some of its hiccups and its problems. But I think the principle of co-creating between corporate leadership and employees is really becoming a reality. And uh, we've already seen some giants, you know, previously trying to promote to people the value of this, you know, bigger companies that um, is winning award after award after award uh, in the way they look after the employees and embrace them people who's been way ahead of the curve when it comes to attracting, managing and retaining talent. But I think we're going to see the relationship changing between corporate leaders and their employees. And I'm not only talking about the heartfelt relationship and the well-being aspect and the co-creation aspect of it as well. I also see very, very interesting changes in the legal relationship changing between them, the types of contracts people enter into. And because I have some background in labor legislation, that is really something uh, that I'm sitting on the sideline as a walk watching to see how it's going to change the contractual relationships between employer and employee. I, um, I, I've heard some people saying that possibly a way of that we're going to work in the future is that we could go to more of a model whereby this there might be permanent staff to a certain degree, but a lot of it could be associate models or contracting kind of models. Do you see that happening at all? Or what's, what's your thoughts on that? I think the trend already went that way. Uh, to be honest, I just think COVID sped it up. So, okay. uh, so people are resistant to change. You know, there's a, there's a difference as you've experienced so elegantly um, over the past few years. There's such a difference between affecting change in a massive cooperation. And I've always seen a massive cooperation like a big ship trying to steer itself into a new direction, whereas the entrepreneur is the speedboat, you know, they can literally just change. And I think entrepreneurs will prove during COVID that they can literally take products from A to B overnight, whereas the corporate has to make a lot of changes. And I think this whole idea of going from permanent staff to looking at contractors and independent contractors and different types of employees working for you, I think a lot of corporations realize now that the benefit of having, you know, the sum total of these types of employees is that we can change quicker mm. and we can change faster and we can adapt quicker. So if you take a boat and you break that boat down into five smaller boats, then that boat is much more stronger because it can adapt to the tides and it can adapt to the weather. And, you know, I think that uh, COVID came 
But COVID is going to have after effects. So there's more change coming. There's more waves coming. You know, people have been speculating what is the next thing. A lot of people have been thinking it's going to be more viruses, whatever. And now we're seeing violence as one of the after effects. Other people are experiencing incredible rise in nature as an after effect. So I think the message here is that in future, as corporates, as employers, as entrepreneurs, the most resilient entity will be the most adaptable entity, the one that can adapt the quickest. The most resilient resilient entity is the one that's going to be able to adapt the most easiest. Is that is what you're saying? The quickest. The quickest, yeah. Yeah, yeah the easiest and the quickest. The quickest, quickest and easiest, the most resilient entity will be the one who adapts the quickest and the easiest. Okay, wow. Alrighty, so that's that's a lot of things that we could be looking at as leaders and a lot of change happening going forward. Well, what makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? Uh, I think the mirror, Dennis. You know, if, if you ha- uh, can find some tools and tricks and even a support system that helps you stay accountable in your bathroom mirror every morning before you leave your house or your apartment or wherever it is you're staying, I think you become solid. And, you know, it's almost like the wind. Uh, You'll notice I like to to use analogies, but, you know, a, a tree that is planted solidly in the ground and has a deep rooting system uh, really, really stay strong when the wind comes, even, you know, when storms come or the cyclone. So if you can stay connected to yourself and more importantly, you know, we love talking about values, but I've sort of upgraded the word values to virtues. So if you understand your virtues as a leader and you live by things like bravery, uh, nobility, freedom, things that really, really is important to you and you you check in with your virtues as a leader and the reason why you really do things every morning before you leave your bathroom mirror and you take that into your day, you're not only going to be an incredible, strong leader, you're going to be an incredible, strong individual. And that's what people are looking for right now. They're looking for stability, they're looking for safety, they're looking for solid people. And you mentioned it earlier in your podcast as well, you know, that that foundation they're looking for. So if you can find a way as a leader to be people's foundation, and here's the important part, without breaking your own back in the process, because that's not leadership. So look after yourself to the best of your ability so that you can look after and serve other people to the best of your ability. That is the new leader. Wow. Without breaking your own back, uh, if you're able to get out there and serve people, that's great. And then, yes, they are looking for, they, people are looking for a solid leader who's stable, but also one that can pull a community together. And if they can do that, that's awesome. And that's what we're going to see. So, Lundy, I'm going to ask you to bring out the crystal ball side of things. And, and you sort of touched on it a little bit now, but maybe a little bit more is what I'm looking for. And the question here is, where do you see leadership being in five years' time? I think, Dennis, you know, the person who claimed they know uh, is probably the frauds that the prophets warned about, you know, the false prophets would be the people who claim that they know. You know, in my years in working in corporates and, you know, now being very involved with with entrepreneurs and especially leaders in the entrepreneurial space, 
I've learned that you can pick up on patterns. So you can look at a person's behavior and then you can go, okay, the behavior is turning that way. And then you can go, okay, the behavior is now turning that way. And therefore I can with fair surety predict this is what the person's going to do next. That is just plain psychology, you know, and, but, and that allows you to, to, to see mm. a little bit into the future because you, you, you start to understand a little bit of behavior better and whatever. Mm-hmm. Same if you can put it in a business context, uh, a, a subject that I love, a consumer behavior. So corporates and retailers has tried to predict these futures forever by looking at consumer behavior, uh, picking up on the patterns, trying to predict the consumer behavior. You see this when you go to a store, you know, the way they've set up the store because they've learned from big data that if you get closer to the line, you're going to be wanting to buy these things. So everyone has attempted for eons and eons, some of the biggest empires, the Roman Empire, you can go back to as long as you know, people have tried desperately to predict the future of human race and to predict the future of business and to predict the future of industries. And they failed elegantly every single time. So we've been told over and over again to live in the now. And I think people are almost sick of hearing they have to live in the now because practically, what does it really mean? And I think living in the now is to not really use the past anymore to predict the future. And I think that's where big data is going to really fall down. And also not to look as, at the future with this control that you want to know or need to know what's going to happen because you're going to get it wrong anyway. So now means as a leader, doing the best of your ability with the resources and the sum total of your experience you, you have right now to affect change right now. So I cannot tell you what's going to happen in five years from now. And I don't think I want to know. So take your ability along with your talent, your skills and so forth that you have right now and the resources you have and help engage and help lead change today. Uh, and now. now. Yeah. And let's see what happens in the future going forward. Yeah. So, Lundy, hey, thanks for joining us today on the show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? They can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Lundy Jack on LinkedIn, L-A-N-D-I. Surname is J-A-C without a K. So uh, I'm fairly uh, onto my LinkedIn profile. Uh, me and Mike do not work on Fridays. We do not work over weekends, but we give it our all from Monday to, to, to Thursday. And um, that means we, we do converse with a lot of people on LinkedIn. We find incredible leaders on LinkedIn and, and build relationships with them. So people are welcome to contact me via my LinkedIn profile, Lundy Jack, and shoot me a message and I'll be very happy uh, to personally reply. Great. So if you want to get hold of Lundy, please uh, try LinkedIn and uh, go through there and, and that'll be good and send her a message, a private message and connect with her. So what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they're being published and released. Have a listen, download them, put a review and a rating and share them with your friends and your network. If there's feedback you'd like to give me on the show, feel free to send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. 
and uh, look forward to hearing your feedback. The other thing too, if there's a question you want to ask me for my other episode of Ask Dennis, then feel free to send an email too, and I'm happy to look at the question and see how we can answer that for you. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.